Good evening, everyone. I hope you guys have had a good week. And we're going to head into talking about hate crimes against trans people, assessing emotions, behaviors, and attitudes towards criminal justice agencies by Walters, Patterson, Brown, and McDonald. Now, first, I want to give a little summary and state that LGBT individuals are often frequently subjected to hate crimes that have a traumatic impact. Now, these traumatic symptoms range in different emotional behaviors and mental health illnesses, and it can include anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, vulnerability, fear, anger, not sleeping, nightmares, and more. And although prior research has really focused on the impact on victims overall, research has yet to really focus on specific victims. And this is what this article actually did by focusing on trans people. First, I want to get into talking about what trans identity is. Now, we understand that gender identity is often constructed and gender is a, is a constructed concept in its in its own right now i want to point out that gender identity is just more than what sex is assigned at birth there's we have to understand that gender and sex is completely different sex is biological gender is constructed it's the idea that we have these gender roles and these gender norms and we're expected to do them whether it's masculine gender roles or feminine gender roles and in this case trans individuals transgenders have developed their quote-unquote trans identity that note that they don't have to do the role of the sex that they were assigned with because they don't believe that's what's fitting for them so this identity challenges the order of what masculinity and femininity means and what it means to do gender because it seems that trans people have created their own version now with them developing trans identity come many repercussions First, the hate crimes against trans people. Now, throughout this article, they really went in depth talking about the different experiences that um, trans individuals experience. One thing that they pointed out amongst many was that trans people are likely to experience direct and non-direct victimization or what we know as indirect victimization. Indirect victimization is them knowing, personally knowing, or acknowledging um, someone else who've been victims of hate crimes and how that has an impact on their emotional reactions and behavioral reactions as well. Another thing with hate crimes against trans, it is often physical and trans individuals are, pr- are more prone to physical violence and other forms of violence that result in injury or death um, at a higher rate than other LGBT individuals and non-LGBT individuals. And they also experience victimization by law enforcement, which is something I'm going to get into a little later. But for now, we're just going to focus on different types of hate, hate crimes. It is said that hate crimes do stem from transphobia. And it was defined that transphobia is an irrational reaction to those who don't conform to the social cultural ideology of gender nonconformity. So what that pretty much means is that it results in the ultimate loathe and disgust for people who are not abiding by the gender norms. It's the idea that trans people must be eliminated because they're not conforming to the construction of gender. 
and that arises many different forms of violence that trans people encounter it includes sexual violence physical assaults verbal assaults sometimes it happens within public spaces sometimes it happens within the home and that also has effects um, lasting effects which we also get into of what the article discussed it is also mentioned that trans people are often encouraging for other victims and of other victims to make their reports they understand that there is victimization that also occurs by the police and the police are less likely to be very much involved in active and proactive in anti-trans hate crimes but they still believe that this is another way to bring awareness to the issue and this is another way to educate um, police officials that this is a problem and this is an issue that um, they have been experiencing and that it needs to be properly addressed now the hate crimes they don't just stop there it doesn't just stop with physical and sexual it's also verbal they also trans people are also likely to experience um, verbal violence it can be derogatory remarks derogatory words it could be um misgendering them calling them a he when they're a she calling them a they when they're a he so on and so forth and they feel that their their identity is often attacked but for this purpose for the purpose of the article and the presentation they are the authors are really categorizing hate crimes within the box of physical and um, and non-physical. So for this study, they it was conducted in the UK, and originally it had 593 LGBT participants, which is a pretty big participant group. And out of that 593, 59 of them identified as trans. And they had a, a broad range of age brackets between 18 to 67 years old. So they weren't limited as far as those who identified as LGBT. Now, the way that they conducted this study was that it was sent via an online sample slash online survey through social media, through Twitter, through Facebook, and through other social media links. And the results were collected about over a four-month period. And in that survey, it really looked at um, the personal experiences of hate crimes and the experiences of indirect victimization. So the survey wasn't just a regular survey. It actually asked some questionnaires. It had questionnaires to ponder about the personal experiences of hate crimes of the participants. And the study looked at two more things. It looked at the emotional and behavioral reactions, and it looked at the attitude towards law enforcement. Now, as far as the emotional and behavioral reactions, it looked at the, it looked at the reactions towards personal experiences and imagined scenarios. So one of the big things that was in this article was seeing how trans individuals and non-trans individuals respond to an imagined scenario and would their responses or would their reactions be different if it's a scenario versus if it's an actual experience that they they went through and 
I marked down in the handout um, the frequency of victimization with asterisks because I really wanted to focus on what frequency of victimization is. Now, it is said that LGBT individuals are more likely to experience physical assaults, physical assaults with weapons, online abuse, verbal assaults, um, mental assaults at a higher rate than non-LGBT individuals. Trans people specifically are more likely to experience verbal and physical hate crimes overall. And so the frequency of the victimization isn't that it occurs one time. It is repetitive in nature and it can be repeated victimization. Um, as we're going to get into how law enforcement police LGBT and hate crimes, we see that not only do they experience primary victimization with strangers or with family members or any type of traumatic events happening within the home or in public spaces, but it also happens with law enforcement. Um, and law enforcement often is another source of victimization for them because they too get victimized by law enforcement. And it's not something that happens once, like I mentioned, it's something that happens repeatedly. And again, it can happen in public spaces, in the public environment, and it's also happening at home. And with the frequency of them being victimized, that also increases the frequency of suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, and suicidal attempts. Um, from the methods, again, they wanted to look at the reactions to the hate crimes, and they really wanted to see what their emotional and behavioral reactions would be to the experiences, to the questionnaires that talked about their experiences, and just imagine scenarios overall. Now, what I found was that there are high, higher links of um, experiences were linked to higher levels of trauma. So that included nightmares, that included um, anxiety developing, major depression, anger, fear. In fact, the results from the study showed that trans people had higher emotional reactions like fear and anger than it did the other groups. And they were, but on the other hand, they were less likely to be shameful on the hate crimes compared to LGBT. So it kind of makes you think like, are they used to this so much that there, there isn't shame on it? that they're not shameful of, of the experiences that they've had. It's something to really think about. And another reaction that was noted in the study as a result was that trans people are often likely to be more proactive um, after experiencing a hate crime. So it can be joining support groups. It can be um, joining support groups. It can be going to LGBT marches, joining a human rights campaign, all sorts of things. Another reaction that they've had is that they're likely to avoid um, large gathering at times, likely to avoid friends, family, and are more likely to isolate themselves and change their appearance. Now, this is for trans individuals. Knowing what we know about their trans identity and how transphobia um, has great impact on them and has an impact on their reactions and their levels of trauma and how they handle things, we can understand 
and see how it is reasonable for trans individuals to be likely to change their appearance to be a little bit more subtle and to isolate themselves. So when they experience a hate crime, even if it's one time or two times or three times, whatever the case may be, they're still more likely to have that behavioral reaction via isolation and avoidance. And also, there is different, um, there's a different, uh, diverse attitudes towards um, police agencies because some believe that there should be an increase in reports towards the officers, and some believe that the police agencies aren't effective at all. Which leads me to talking about how um, law enforcement police um, LGBT and hate crimes. First, I want to point out that. You know, the responses from the justice system has placed these individuals at a disadvantage because it's almost as if when they're being targeted, their perpetrators and offenders know that law enforcement are not likely to pro- to properly address or investigate the crime. So in a way, they know that the justice system won't, aren't equipped to properly and efficiently respond to LGBT hate crimes. And like I mentioned prior about secondary victimization, trans individuals are more likely to experience secondary secondary victimization via the justice system and law enforcement in general. Now, we know that these people often come in contact with law enforcement when they're making reports, but the biggest misconception is that they're seen as victims. They're not. In fact, in the article, trans people, they're not viewed as victims um, by the police. They don't receive support. They There is a lack of investigation that occurs when a report is um, made. Sometimes they actually experience sexual assault by, by an officer or have had officers encourage um, the violence as it's happening. So they're not likely to make reports and they're not likely to put their trust in the justice system, in police agencies, because not only are they already getting victimized through primary victimization, but it's happening through the justice system, through officers who are meant to um, immediately react and investigate. And that doesn't occur. However, the bottom line of it all was that trans individuals recognized this and said it would be a lot more sufficient and efficient if there are additional police trainings on trans individuals, on the on their experiences, um, on their community, as well as special policies that was not vague. Because the current trans laws are pretty vague and they don't really... They don't really include trans individuals. They're not very direct as far as what is constituted as a crime. So that in the article was something that was pointed out was that they wanted to see a better policing of hate crimes and they wanted to see it done first through legislation and changing how the current and existing legislation towards trans individuals are. Okay, so through all of this, I want to give a breakdown of the article because it had some strengths and its weaknesses. A few strengths that I noticed was that it was a very broad age bracket, which definitely gave us a more um, in-depth look 
of the reactions and the perceptions of some individuals because as we know when you're 18 and 20 your experience and perceptions is completely different from a 40 50 60 year old so I think um, having that broad age group really aided in allowing us to see how um, diverse the attitudes and responses are even when the scenarios were the same and even when the scenarios were grave Another thing that I really liked was how authentic um, the responses and results were. And I really enjoyed that. I really appreciated that there is no sort of incentives given, such as money or, you know, like candy or anything like that, that will skew the um, the results of this, of this study. Um, I think that the lack of incentives definitely aided in getting a more raw and real reaction and not only is this first study the first quantitative study to give that deeper insight but it is a study that really looked at the indirect victimization and impact because most research focus on direct victimization all the time and forget that indirect victimization can have impacts on certain groups and in this case the trans community just simply knowing someone who was a victim of trans crime can incite fear can incite anxiety can incite depression can incite um questioning of their identity so on and so forth so i really think that this article has some great strengths overall on how it approached the study and who they included in the study some of the things I would have liked to see done was definitely be to include um, a more broader sample of LGBT minority and those black individuals who identify as queer because again that is also another group that has been um, overlooked and that has not been further studied and it was pointed out that the current sample um, doesn't isn't really generalizable overall because it did occur in the UK. And I think the experiences of UK and experiences of the US might be completely different, especially if we were to feature black women. And I would have also liked to see law enforcement um, responses. And I would have liked to see some um, questionnaires from and responses from police officers as to how they respond to trans hate crimes and what their understanding of anti-trans hate crimes are and just their perceptions overall over the reactions that trans people have but I do want to come to a close and get into the, our discussion and I wanted to mention how relevant this article is to real life um, recently, I don't know if you guys remembered, but in January, in fact, there was a case where a man attacked a trans woman in a New York subway train. Now, fast forward a few months later, in August, um, a man attacked three trans women in Los Angeles on the Hollywood um, boardwalk. And what was so sad about the situation was not only was it being recorded, but their encouragement from witnesses to for the women to get additional beatings one woman actually got hit with a bottle and was knocked out and there were you can hear laughter and um derogatory remarks being made over the video saying oh i think she's dead oh my god haha i should rob her and they actually ended up getting robbed and something else that i want to point out is that um the rates of victimization that has been occurred against LGBT trans people has been incredibly high, significantly high. In fact, LGBT advocates have been 
you know, demanding for more involvement from the police and from the public to recognize that and trans individuals are individuals as well. And the fact that 26 trans people alone this year have been victims of hate crimes that resulted in death speaks volumes as to how um, slow the investigatory processes and slow the reaction processes from both sides, from society and from law enforcement and our justice system specifically. So whenever you guys get a chance, do take a look at that video because I couldn't, I, it broke my heart watching it um, because I, I work in an environment where um, LGBTQ individuals are around and I just, it breaks my heart to see that. But Going from that video and what we've discussed, I want to give you guys three questions to kind of ponder. One, with the controversy surrounding trans individuals using public bathrooms, in your opinion, should they be expected to use those facilities with the sex that they were born with? Or is their trans identity excusable? Now for this question, I really want you to ponder and go back to how they've how trans individuals have constructed this trans identity so is their trans identity excusable two why do you think trans people are oppressed by their own community and how's the and how does the construction of gender impact lgbt individuals and three what were some what were some of your takeaways from this article what were some things that you thought about reading this um were you angry were you sad did you feel like you could do more and based on the limitations that were mentioned in the article, what approach would you take to bring awareness to anti-trans hate crimes? Um, I would like to hear everybody's thoughts. So with all those three questions, really ponder about it. Go over through the article because I think that this is very much relevant to our current state and the treatment of LGBT individuals. So I look forward to hearing you guys' thoughts and seeing your reactions and getting your discussions. And I hope you guys enjoy this article.